Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Glad you're here starting a new series this uh, last holiday of the summer called Nothing Compares. Now, if you grew up in a home where you had siblings, uh, you may remember the comparisons. And sometimes the comparisons were well-intentioned, but they were painful. Um, I'm the middle child, and middle children will go to heaven first. Um, I had an older brother who is four years older than me. I believe he's somewhere around 48, 49 now. And you find that funny, huh? So I grew up, he was really, really smart and and still is, but he's short. He's 5'8", I'm 6'1". I figure I can always develop my brain, but he can't grow any taller. So that's kind of how I endured the, uh, the intelligence of my older brother was by coming up with something that would help me uh, get through life knowing that it was probably never going to change. Uh, but we all have to deal with, with comparisons. We all deal with criticism. And oftentimes, all criticism is is uh, someone's insecurity coming to the surface. And that's what comparison typically is. We compare with somebody else because we're not satisfied with ourselves. And so today, and this whole series, is about finding satisfaction by not measuring yourself against the world standard or against others. Because uh, somebody always loses when that happens. But by nature, we have a tendency uh, to not just compare looks, stature, gifts, talents, but we just compare when someone is critical of us. We naturally have a gift of sarcasm that we come back, right? I don't know how many of you remember the great Winston Churchill. Um, I've been a follower of all of the Winston, Winston Churchill stuff for a long time because he was such a great leader. And he was such a great thinker, and he had such a quick wit. And uh, But he did have, he liked cigars. I love Mosaic Church. I mean, okay, me too. Anyway, so, and, and he really drank too much. And so one night he was out, and he was very popular, and a lady finally thought, you know, she didn't like him much, so she saw that he was pretty drunk, and but he still had his, his senses, and uh, she came up to him and said, well, look at you, Mr. Churchill, you're drunk, and as only Winston Churchill could do, quickly responded with these words, he said, yeah, but in the morning I'll be sober and you'll still be ugly, uh, so... I just love that kind of response. I mean, it's just, I get it's fleshy, but it, it's, it really, you know, kind of, I don't think she probably ever spoke to him again. But in, in doing that, there's this comparison, I'm better than you. Her statement was indicating, I'm not like you. I'm not as bad as you. And that's what we oftentimes do when we feel bad about ourselves. We want to make someone else look bad so we can feel better. And nobody ever wins in that situation. So today we're going to be talking about how to avoid comparisons, 
how to stay away from those and stay happy and at peace inside your own life. Uh, nobody can make you happy. Happiness is a choice. Um, and if you're looking for someone to make your life wonderful and happy, you're going to be looking for a long, long time. All you have to do is look in the mirror and you are responsible for the joy and happiness in your life and the decisions you make after you've made bad decisions. And so it's important that you not compare uh, with other people or allow yourself to be compared. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. It says, do we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves they're not wise and so in other words the apostle paul is saying look just stop with the comparisons and stop looking around start looking inside and you know there's probably some comment that somebody's made about your life or during your lifetime that, that sticks out and that has caused you to constantly compare yourself with their statement, their comment. And let me just say, just because someone is intelligent and makes a somewhat intelligent statement doesn't mean it's true, and unless you make truth out of it. Uh, there was a little boy who went to church with his father every Sunday, and uh, they were faithful church attenders in a small country church. And, and uh, the little boy was a very sensitive young man. and. Uh, so one day after church, the pastor was greeting everybody, and the little boy came up to him. He said, you know, when I grow old and I'm going to make money, I'm going to give you a lot of money. Well, every, every pastor loves to hear that, you know, what can I do to help you? And so, uh, so the pastor said, well, that, that's great, son. I, I really appreciate it, but why would you say that? Because daddy said, you're the poorest preacher we've ever heard. That's about a two o'clocker for some of you. <laughs> so can you imagine just for a moment being in his shoes and hearing this innocent little voice? And, and as innocent as it was, he's listened to his father. So there's a point to be made here. Watch what you say in front of kids because they remember. They're like Memorex. You know, it's just like digitally recorded and then... Then that you get out and you're at Target and, and you're talking to this other, if you're a mom, you're talking to a mom and the baby goes, is this the ugly woman you were talking about? They'll say it right in front of you. So, so we have to be aware of the things we're hearing, the things we're saying and how they affect our lives because when you feel something, oftentimes that feeling or that emotion becomes a fact in your life and you become a believer of what has been said and if you do that it will weigh on you and especially during the dark times of your life where you'll have a hard time getting over those things I mean I think about the Apostle Peter and one of the most popular of, of all the disciples if you were to ask someone they're gonna know who the Apostle Peter was I mean he not always for good reasons either I mean he was the guy that denied Jesus three times and you know, he, was, he, he would come to Mosaic Church if he was alive today. I mean, he's cursing and denying Jesus and all those wonderful things. And so, you know, Peter was just always cutting off ears. He's just doing stuff, you know. I know I'm going to heaven. If Peter's there, it would be a cheat on God's part to not let us go. I mean, all you have to do is look at his life. But there was that one moment that Peter, being the most popular probably of all the disciples, they're in a boat, they're on the water, and there's a storm. 
and all of a sudden, they've just been with Jesus, and Jesus said, go to the other side, and they get out to go to the other side, and all of a sudden, they see this image walking on top of the water. Now, we talk about this like it's just no big deal. Isn't it great that Jesus was walking on water? Not so much if you were living back then and you'd never seen this before. You've never heard of this before. All of a sudden, the disciples are freaked out. But Peter, once again, being Peter, says, hey, you know, Jesus said, don't be afraid. And Peter said, you know, if it's you, if it's really you, bid me to come on the water. Now, this is a big moment when you want to talk about comparison. you got these other guys in the boat. They're scared to death. And Peter opens his mouth, always opening his mouth. And, and, and says, you know, hey, let me come on the water. Don't you think he wanted to take those words back? But being the fact that, that, that he's Peter, Jesus says, hey, come on. This is my translation, okay. We're done with King James, all right? And so he says, come on the water. So Peter, can you imagine just for a moment, just think about the other guys going, here he goes again. You know, and, and then all of a sudden he gets out and he doesn't sink. And now they're really irritated. You know they are because it's like, look at him. Look, look, look. And, and now they're starting to compare. Why didn't I do that? I mean, wouldn't you be saying that? I mean, if somebody, I mean, you were going to buy a lottery ticket, but you... Some churches would be kicked out for that. Anyway, you're going to buy a lottery ticket and you didn't and somebody did and they won. You get mad about it. You don't get happy typically by human nature does not get happy when someone else does well. Isn't that? I mean, that's typically how it works. And so these guys are watching Peter. He gets out and he's starting to walk on the water. Now they're irritated in that moment because they're comparing their faith to his faith. Why didn't I get out of the boat? Why am I not the one? I mean, if you're thinking, and nowadays we'd be thinking book deals and movie deals, and why did, well, you know, we'd be thinking all those things. But they're thinking, why Peter, once again? Then all of a sudden, Peter begins to sink. You can almost hear the applause if you're religious. You can almost hear these guys, like, yeah, Peter again. Jesus never called me Satan, but he did Peter. Peter sinks. And now all of a sudden to feel better about our decision to not step out in faith, we begin to compare our life with his life. This is typically what happens. Some of you have compared your success or lack of success with maybe a brother or sister's success. And they have been extremely successful. And mom and dad have throughout your life always applauded them. But you didn't get the applause. Let me just help you with this today. You're not defined by your net worth. You're defined by your self-worth. How you perceive yourself. How you see yourself. Letting God uh, be the eyes of your soul. Otherwise, we always come up short. We always come up losers. Somebody's always losing. Somebody's always getting put down for somebody else to be lifted up. There's, there's an antidote to this. And that is, whenever you're around people... Just encourage people. Be an encourager. Create confidence in people. I mean, if you want to get confidence, sow confidence. If you want to be appreciated, appreciate people. If you want to be treated kindly, be kind to people. And you say, but they don't deserve it. Neither do you. Neither do I. This is not about getting what we deserve. This is about doing something that produces life inside of us. 
If someone is great at something, tell them how great they are. And the reason we don't is we want to be who they are or as great as they are instead of saying, can I just be around greatness if I can't be great? I mean, that's a privilege. But we're always looking to be affirmed in order to feel good about ourselves. So let me tell you, here's, here's what you do. And this will be met with some criticism, okay? Because anytime you do something that is out of the norm, you'll be criticized. You guys, some of you were here when I preached a sermon just a few months ago. I talked about living a life in sabbatical for two years. It was a hard two years. And uh, there were times I wanted to disappear. I just wanted to get away. I just wanted to be forgotten. And, and during those times, it was, it, you know, I just fought through just to get back up and say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And I stood up here and I preached a message and I got a little happy, which you guys know I do sometimes. And I'm the least politically correct human being on earth. And every now and then I make funny faces and say things at the camera that I forget other people are going to watch this at some point during the week. It's like, oh yeah, I said that. I can't believe I said that. And neither can they. And I was talking about those dark times and about how I wanted to disappear but then I got kind of excited and I said but I will stand up and I will declare God I'm not going into hiding and I'm going on and on and then I get this message from somebody that um, that I, that's how come I don't like him he's just so arrogant anyway so um, it, it just all I was doing was speaking to myself that's all I, I, I mean, I'm sorry I disappointed you, but I was just talking to me. I'm just trying to convince myself that this is okay, God. You know, sometimes you just have to get happy with yourself. And if you live alone, go stand in front of the mirror and talk to yourself. And you see, some of y'all think I'm crazy right now. I'm not. Listen to me. It's what David did. Read the Bible. There are a lot of crazier people in there than you. You just have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Look in the mirror and go, mm, 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 mm. You don't even have to talk. If you get real excited, oh, hmm, hmm, hmm. And then if you're married and your husband or your wife comes in, they go, what are you doing? I'm doing what you ought to be doing. Look at that face. You're so blessed that you married that. Dear God, you ought to be on your knees right now worshiping Jesus that he gave me to you. Now, now, I know what some of you are thinking, and right now you're just like all checked out right now. No, listen, all I'm saying is you are fearfully and wonderfully made. When God made you, you are not an accident. And I mean, you say, but, but they don't deserve that. Listen to me. This is not about what you do. This is about who you are. You are created in the image and likeness of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are beautiful in sight of God. And if your husband hasn't told you that, you need to be telling yourself that. You ought to be telling yourself how awesome. And if God says, I get you, man. I know he ain't doing it for you. I'm trying to help you today. If you're married, I'm trying to help you, all right? That's all I'm trying to do. I'm trying to keep you married, all right? You need to go home and tell your husband, you are the best looking thing I've ever seen in my life. Dear Jesus, I cannot believe I got you. And husbands, you need to be doing that to your wife. I'm telling you, if you do that, you will never lack. It will help you. Glad it's a holiday weekend. You get tomorrow to think about this. But the reality is, 
that you can never think more highly of yourself than God does. There are people who say, your opinion of yourself is way too elevated. Compared to what? Compared to who? You're not talking about someone else. You're comparing yourself to how God sees you. And let me tell you, when God made you, you were not made an accident. You were made by design. And you have to look and see that no matter what you've done. Because this is not about what you've done. It's about who you are. So first thing is, don't compare yourself or where you are today with your past. Good or bad, don't compare. Don't compare with who you were, what you've done, where you've been. You can live a hopeless life or an arrogant life, not a confident life. And for me, it's never about arrogance. It's about saying what God has to say about you. Nothing is impossible with God in your life. Nothing is impossible with God. And so when you begin to say things that line up with the Word of God, the Word of God begins to align you and put you where you need to be, doing what you need to be doing and being happy about it. I've got a good past and I've got a bad past. But we all have a past. See, there's no success story without a war story. Everybody in here has a war story. Just some of you haven't told it or haven't had the opportunity to tell it. I've lived my war stories. When we had the the first church, (laughs) there was no way people thought that that was me. There were people that were from my hometown that would come and say, is this the Mark Crow that grew up in Berry Hill? Because they couldn't believe it because I was a hellion. It's like they couldn't even believe I would go to heaven, much less preach about heaven. And so all of a sudden my life gets turned around and people began to look at my past to see where I was today and say, this is not possible. But it was possible. And, and everything's going great and then I, I drive off a cliff. And, and now here we go again. The reality is none of those things define my self-worth. And none of those define your self-worth. You get up and you start over. There will always be people that want to keep you down. There will be people that say, you should never preach again. And I said, well, God said I should, so here I am. And I'm going to keep preaching. Which by some would be perceived as arrogance. Let me tell you something. I tried everything in the world to get out of this, co- this commission call. I mean, the offers in the Bahamas, in Europe, everything was far more attractive than where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. And winter is winter here. And so, whenever you begin to compare, should I be doing what I'm doing? Should Listen, we all deserved hell, but Jesus came and gave his life. And the only difference in you and somebody else or me and somebody else is the exposure of your sin to the world. That's it. And I'm thankful that that some of y'all haven't told your story. I really am. Don't want to know. (laughs) Don't want to be responsible. Wouldn't be prudent. Uh, But no, it's the, the fact is you have to be comfortable with who you are and where you are. Even in the midst of your flaws or at the pinnacle of your greatest success, we still are who we are because of God, not because of what we've done. And so we have to be reminded constantly, regularly of that. We shouldn't compare 
ourselves with our past. First Corinthians 10 says, For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were under the cloud and they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They all ate the same spiritual food and drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was pleased not pleased with most of them, their bodies were scattered over the desert. And they said this was given as an example to us. Wasn't putting them down, but saying, don't let this happen in your life. And when it does, get up. You'll know you're experiencing forward thinking when the past loses its appeal and attraction. When the past loses its power, you'll be able to tell because you no longer get up every day and look at the past and allow yourself to be defined by the things you've done, good or bad. The reality is that we all need God. There is nobody greater than you. There is no one. You say, well, somebody's done great things. That doesn't make them greater than you. That just means they found a talent, they worked on it, and they excelled. But don't measure yourself by them. Measure yourself by your obedience to God. What you've chosen to believe about yourself, to believe about God, and doing what you're called to do. Because your past is your past. It's always going to be there. But you can't live in the past. Your past is over and done. Forget it. Your future is yet to come. Dream it. Your present is now. Live it. Even your successes of yesterday will not get you through today. Some of the most successful people in the world find themselves depressed because they're no longer happy with where they are today. They achieved great wealth, great success, great popularity, and they were miserable. They were miserable. And sometimes misery drives us to stupidity. And so you have to stay happy, and the only way to stay happy, according to Byron Katie, suffering is the result of wishing your past was different and hoping your future looks different, losing the moment in which you live. So we have to stay in the moment in order to prevent ourselves and keep ourselves from looking around and saying, I wish I hadn't have done, have done what I did, or I sure hope I can do something better tomorrow. What about just loving what is today loving what is right now because some things may never change but it doesn't mean that your heart can't change and how you perceive life and yourself can't change because the problem in life is not with everybody around us what everybody thinks about us but it's what we think about ourselves that's what changes us you can look for somebody else to be affirming that's how come I said earlier you have to affirm yourself you have to speak to yourself you have to encourage yourself you have to talk to yourself and as far as I'm concerned you can even answer yourself it's all good you can have a conversation with yourself you're not crazy if there's no one around to have one with because you can get along but some of you are so in turmoil and conflict in your soul you'd argue with yourself you're good-looking no you're not <laughs> you would debate your own positive affirmation and you'd feel stupid about it let me tell you when you live alone say it out loud baby wherever you are even record it on your phone play it back when you're at the gym just get lost in your own world man who's that who are you listening to me 
all the gym talkers will leave. Because there are people who just go to the gym for fellowship. How many of you know that? My, there was a guy named Jim. that used to be in my gym. Ironically enough, Jim at the gym. Every time I'd go in, this guy could talk wallpaper off walls, man. And so I finally got my earbuds on. Even if I wasn't listening to anything yet, I'm, just listen to yourself. If you can't find anybody to speak well of you, speak well of yourself. Secondly, we shouldn't compare ourselves with others. Not just with our past, but with other people. Um, it's just so important that you not look around and look at what everybody else has done. Look at what you're doing and compare it against the Bible. Am I doing the will of God? Is this what I'm supposed to be doing? Compare it with your best effort, not being the best. What is your best effort? Am I giving it my best? Because that's really all any of us can do. It's the one thing I love about playing golf. So I played all the sports, but in all the sports, you were often defined by playing the other team and the score at the end of the day was, you know, did they have a better defense than we had offense? But in golf, I played me. I played me in golf. If at the end of the day, no, you've got a field of golfers in a tournament, you're not playing against them. You're playing against yourself to score the best score that you can score. And at the end of the day, if it's the lowest, you win. But did you beat everybody else? No, you just beat yourself. You just beat the previous score. You beat, And yeah, you won uh, over the field, but the reality is you're playing against you. People who can't do this have this issue. Those who are at war with others are not at peace with themselves. So if you're at war with anybody else, trying to be better than anybody else and trying to put other people down, the truth is you're not at peace with yourself. You have to be at peace with yourself. I always tell people, take some time to be alone because most of the time especially if you're an extrovert how many of you are extroverts in here wow we got a bunch of really anyway see i'm an extrovert and i live alone you don't think i don't talk to myself i'm the best conversationist i've ever had and ever known because i i am people energized that's how come i bought a house where people can walk by I have a walking path right by my house we don't talk but i feel good just there's just life you know what i'm saying there's just life people are really pretty goofy when they don't know you're sitting there too it's really fun to catch them time of my life laughing at other people and I, they look at me i smile i heard you yeah you know we 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 all do life from different angles and if, if you're an extrovert uh you may you may need to energize yourself if you're an introvert i have no clue what to tell y'all to do today I guess just stay quiet, keep doing what you're doing, and think you're right. Anyway, so, I, that was supposed to be funny. I'm not being critical. I'm sure I'll get cards and letters. Anyway, so, no, and this is so, so critical that we understand the peace of God. It says in verse 13, We, however, will boast beyond proper limits, but confine our boasting to the field God has assigned to us. You just need to look at what God assigned to you. You're not going to be everybody's all in all. None of us are. But you can make everybody feel like a champion. You can make everyone feel like a champion. You have no idea the power of your words. When, you're, when, when you are speaking life to other people, it's going to produce life in you, as I've already said. Little, uh, little Johnny went home with his report card. The story's told. He went home, showed his dad. He was just a really great kid, outgoing kid, extrovert. Gives his report card to his daddy. 
And he and his daddy were close, and his daddy looked at a report card, and he said, man, he didn't do that great. And he said, you know, little Tommy Sparks is always the head of the class. Tommy was a neighbor, and they families knew each other. He said, you know, little Tommy next door is always the head of his class. And little Johnny looked at his dad and said, yeah, dad, but you have to remember, he has really smart parents. So any of you young people, you can use that. Say, I'm genetically flawed. I didn't have me. You had me. If you must compare, compare with the Bible, compare with your gift, not somebody else's gift. You know, I I think all the time about Michael Jordan. I'm a major basketball freak, sports freak. So I, I remember Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team. Now, just anybody here doesn't know who Michael Jordan is, God forgive you. greatest basketball player to ever play the game, Chicago Bulls, didn't make his high school team. I'm just going to tell you, there's enough flesh in me that the coach that cut me for my high school team would get a Christmas card and a turkey every year. Hi, it's MJ. Remember you cut me and I became the greatest of all time. Wouldn't that be fun? I'm sure God's not in it, but it would be a moment, feel good, send it, repent, and do it again next year. Then lastly, we shouldn't compare ourselves with with opinions. We should not compare ourselves. There will always be people saying mean things to you. I don't know if any of you uh, are around enough people, but all you have to do is stand up and preach. Criticism is a given. I was you know, I was just I was telling you earlier. I preached this message, and somebody watched it, and, and, and they criticized me. And I'm still here. You know, sometimes if you don't just fight it, it'll get on you. If you don't fight criticism, it'll get on you. And at the end of your life, the end of my life, when we stand before God, God's not going to listen when you say, well, somebody criticized me, someone had this opinion of me. You and I will stand before him with the decisions we made, not the criticisms that somebody else made. And so you just have to fight through that. You, you know, MJ fought through it to become the greatest basketball player of all time. He could have quit. said, you know, the opinion of my coach is I'm not a player. And he could have listened to that opinion and quit and, and given up on basketball altogether. But instead, he stayed true to what he felt he was called to do. I, I, somebody said one time, if you can do what you say you'll do, it's not arrogance. It's simply confidence. But insecure people who will never do anything or run the risk of being criticized will often be your greatest critics for at least trying it. I'm sure that other disciples criticized Peter for getting out of the boat thinking, who are you? What makes you think you can get out and walk on water? You know, why do you get all the attention? Why are you one of the three that gets to go to the top of the mountain? I'm, Peter was always there. And yet, in my opinion, probably the worst disciple minus Judas of all disciples. And by the way, I think Judas will be in heaven. If you, the, the great debate, and I won't go there right now, but I, I always got, everybody's got an opinion about Judas. Without Judas, we don't have a cross. You know, when I adjusted my theology on that, it's when I started having to do, do funerals of people who committed suicide. And I'm going to say this just because there's probably someone watching that needs to hear this. Suicide's often the result of a mental disease, just like cancer is, is a physical disease. And when I had to bury a friend of mine who was one of my dearest friends who shot himself in a church in Houston, you start rethinking things. 
he loved God more than anybody I knew. He used to travel with me some. He'd be up at four praying while I was still sleeping. <laughs> Pray for me. Pray for me, you know. But Tony's in heaven today. You say, well, that's not right. You can argue all you want. The reality is you're not God, neither am I. You try to tell a family that their son didn't go to heaven when you knew he knew God, because that's what we're called to do is know God. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So someone who dies of cancer after smoking for 50 years, which is a gradual suicide, which if you smoke, don't get mad at me. Just just don't do it around me, because anyway, it's just like get clogged up. Anyway, so... But you know, I'm not mad at you. I'm not judging anybody. But I'm just saying that we have to be careful to not listen to others' opinions or we'll live a depressed life. Listen to God. And you, you know, you can discard everything I say today. It doesn't hurt my feelings. The reality is that we are to love at all times. All of us need grace. All of us need mercy. Without grace and mercy, we don't survive this world and we don't go to heaven because it's by grace we're saved through faith, not by works lest anybody should boast. So anybody who boasts to you, I mean, I used to have people come up and say, you think they're going to heaven? <laughs> really? You're asking me? I mean, who, who has the right to say yes or no? Just look and say, you know, that's above my pray grade. I'm going to leave that one to God. But I just simply ask the question, have you called on the name of the Lord? It's really that. And that really irritates religious people because religious people are all about performance. They're performance people. And you and I cannot perform well enough to go to heaven. And if you think you can, I'd love to meet with you after service. I really would. I'd just love to have a chat about all that. Really. Because this is where, if you can understand, we, we don't get there because we're better than somebody else. And that's typically, I've heard people say, well, you know, I, I, if they're going to heaven, I'm pretty sure I am because I'm better than them. Or I've lived a better life or I've done better things. And uh, I think it's so, so very, very important that we not judge others and put others down to try to elevate ourselves. Don't listen to the opinions of others and let it happen to you. Bill Gates failed miserably his first business venture. Wealthiest guy in our country failed. Bill Gates, imagine that. Nobody ever talks about his failures, his war story before the success story. Think about Bethany Hamilton, surfer, 13 years old, arm taken off by a shark. One month later, she was back in the water surfing. Don't you think her dad had an opinion about that? If I was her dad, I'd be like, mm-mm. So Bill Gates failed. Bethany Hamilton gets back in the water, wins competition months later. Albert Einstein was called a dud. Most brilliant men to ever live. Maybe your parents told you you'll never amount to anything. You were born on the wrong side of the tracks. Your response is, then we'll move the tracks. Never give in to the opinions and criticisms of others. You were not born at the wrong time. You were not born in the wrong family you may just possess a wrong attitude about life. And you've listened to the opinions of others long enough. You can't blame anybody today for where you are, and neither can I. We can't blame other people. We'll never fix our situation. We'll never change. You'll be waiting on somebody else to change it. So it's time today for you and I to make those decisions of change. I knew when I came back here I'd be criticized. This was the last city I wanted to come back to. I was living on the beach 
Come on, Jesus. Couldn't you just let me start a church on the beach? Because I know when he comes back, he's coming back for beach people first. And Jesus is looking at Oklahoma City going, mm, if it's wintertime, I ain't coming till spring. We're waiting on that return. But I heard all the beach towns, Jesus came back. And he'll come and get you. It's just too cold in Minnesota right now. And so we just have to think. And I, when, I, when God spoke to me on January 3rd to come back here, I knew what would happen. But you know what? He's covered us. He's covered me. He's covered you. And I'm telling you, Mosaic's days that are to come are going to be the best days ever. So let's, let's pray. If you would, bow your heads, please. Close your eyes. Father, we're so honored that your opinion of us is wonderful, that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And when you made us, you didn't make a mistake. You handcrafted, designed each one of us very uniquely. And everyone in this world is needed and wanted. The problem is billions of people still don't know how wanted they are by you and how needed they are. You designed them with a purpose that would reflect your life, your love, and your eternity. And so, Lord, I pray for those here today that their self-worth has been connected to their success or their failures or opinions of others. Lord, I pray that they would be able to rise up in the morning, this afternoon, look in the mirror and declare your truth over them, that they are the righteousness of you in Christ, Father. They are fearfully and wonderfully made, created in your image and your likeness. There's not one person that is not absolutely wonderful. And so, Lord, today, I pray that this word would stick in the hearts of all who have heard it today. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, maybe you've not made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe the reason you haven't is because you just don't think that he would be able to take someone like you and do anything with them. I'm a little bit like the Apostle Paul. I feel like the worst of all. And somehow God dipped his hand down into my community when I was living like the devil and pulled me up out of that situation. God wants to do the same for everyone. Maybe you just haven't known it or heard it, but if that's you today, and you say, just please just pray for me right where you're at right now. I want to ask you, and those of you watching online, we'll pray this prayer with you in just a moment. But if you have not just simply called on the Lord's name and you want to today, just lift your hand right now and just put it right back down. Just say, pray for me. Thank you. There are others who say, pray for me. Others, just pray for me. Okay. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, God, today I put my faith and my trust in you. I've been a sinner, but you came for people like me. So today, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. 